Welcome to the Mom Powerment Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids, even when they are experiencing their most challenging behaviors. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Mom Powerment Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Well, today I am so excited to bring on our show today, Cindy Mann. Cindy Mann is the former head of school for Padua Academy. And after 40 years in education, Cindy retired in 2019 of like I said, Padua Academy, which is an all-girls private school in Wilmington. And Padua's motto is spirituality, scholarship, service, and sisterhood. Cindy, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Well, first, before I get into an article that I stumbled upon, which is why I actually <laughs> reached out to you, because I actually then never met you and didn't know you before I uh, invited you on this podcast. Why don't you take me and my listeners back to where did your career all start? Did you always want to be in education? Were you a former teacher? Can you just walk us down that road for a few minutes? Sure, sure. It's it's pretty interesting when you think about it and who the people are in your life that sort of send you down a certain path. I want it to be a lawyer. And um, I really wanted to be a lawyer. And I had my mother died when I was 17. And so this nun, <laughs> a group of nuns, um, sort of became my mother's. And because I was an only child, my father was a little distant. So they they embraced me. And um, so Sister Beata said to me, um, I had just graduated from high school, and she said, well, you can come here and teach kindergarten and then go to college in the afternoon. I said, sister, I'm an only child. I know absolutely nothing about children. And frankly, I don't really like them. So my path is law. And she said, your path right now is being with me. So you stay, you stay with us not in the convent, but, you know, you, you hang around us and you, um, and teach kindergarten for me. Well, I did, because you don't say no to a nun. And so I said, okay, sister, I will for a year. And I fell in love with those little children. And I fell in love with every day teaching them for it. I mean, she didn't tell me what to teach. There was no curriculum. There was no district telling me. So I was an 18-year-old with all these. In fact, the one of the eighth grade boys asked me if I would eat lunch with him, sit beside him in the cafeteria. I said, I'm a teacher. So anyway, but um, that started me down this path of education. And I have never ever looked back. Um, She was inspired. I don't know what she was, but she, she, uh, she led me down the right path. And then um, if you hear a dog in the background, that's my 
dog Guinness. She'll be going outside in just a second, I hope. No but problem. Then, then I went on to college and I went into education. And then I got a real um, calling um, to go into special education. And because I just always figured I could teach kids if I only had the avenue to reach their brains, if I only, you know, could design educational materials. And so that's what I did. I started out uh, for a year teaching and all the titles of these programs have changed now. But I taught um um, children with learning disabilities and low intellect. And I did that for a year and then I crossed over into emotionally handicapped children. And that is where I stayed for a long time. I, um, I became a mother to kids that didn't have parents. You know, I became, um, they became part of my family and, um, that this was in a time when you could take kids home with you because they've earned so many points during the week. And we would Friday nights, we'd always, you know, for those that earned the points would be able to have a cookout at my house. And so one time we were all at the table and my son who was in the third or fourth grade at that time, one of the boys, uh, he, he reached over one of the boys to get um, ketchup. And the kid hit him on the hand and said, in this family, we pass things. And Jonathan said, you've gone too far, Mom. I mean, you've gone too far. This is taking your work to home too much. Anyway, I, I still pray for those boys. They had no one but me and they had no one to advocate for them at that time because it was not a popular field. And um, the principals, and they just wanted to put me out in a mobile unit somewhere. And so they didn't hear from me. And, um, and so I did my thing. I taught. And that is an and we had kids from kindergarten through eighth grade in one room. Wow. And we had multiple problems, multiple problems. And so I might have a little child in the ki- in kindergarten that just wasn't developing language with a, an eighth grader who had long developed every curse word in, in modern world and, um, so it was interesting. It it was, but you, I learned a love and an acceptance that I don't think I could have ever learned in another environment. Mm. And um, it it was a wonderful time. So then, eventually, after um, ten years, I I sort of burned out. I and we were we moved. And it was a perfect time for me to get into regular education. And I thought, boy, this is going to be a dream come true, regular education. And I was in a little Catholic school. And um, so we did a lot of fun things. The best compliment I ever got from any child or parent is from this little boy. His name was Paul. And he was he, he saw me later as an adult and he said, Mrs. Mann, 
I got to tell you, nobody loved me like you. I never had a teacher that liked me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, look at what, look at the man you've turned into. You're wonderful. But anyway, so you have those stories as teachers that absolutely go straight to your heart. And that's what keeps you in the classroom, not the, you know, paperwork all the other things and all you have the to do that goes along like with. we always feel like they just get more and more piled on top and exactly. nothing is being taken off the plate let's exactly. face it um, so well, I was very content being a, a teacher I taught seventh and eighth grade math and um, language arts I taught um, uh, and then I taught sixth grade some and then I taught kindergarten I'm we moved again and I taught I got a job as a kindergarten teacher and I thought piece of cake no problem and um you know what do they do I read a book they play a little bit we go outside we come back take a nap it's over I got this I got this no problem you know and um so the first day it became nap time. And I said, okay. One little girl said, can we take our shoes off? I said, absolutely. Take your shoes off, get comfortable. And so 25 kids took their shoes off. I never knew I would have to tie 25 (laughs) pairs of shoes. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And that took at least an hour. And uh, anyway, but fun, fun, fun. Um, Then this principal who was a a priest, uh, because these were Catholic schools. I started out in public and then migrated to Catholic, Um, said, you know, you'd be a good principal. And I said, (laughs) are you on, you know, you've been drinking a little too much altar wine. Are you kidding me? And he said, uh, no, I mean it. I mean it. Why don't you be, in fact, why don't you be our principal? Because I don't think this woman's going to last. <laughs> I said, well, okay. And so I became a principal. Get out. And um, did you even have to interview? I didn't have to do anything. Oh, my goodness. And then they, just, when did you start? How soon did they start you? They started me. Next year? Um, that was during the summer. Okay, yeah. It was in the fall. But we were in the middle of building a new school, just like North Star. So K to eight, or how did they do that back then? What is it? A What? Was it an elementary, middle, or high, it or all? Elementary. It was oh. elementary, kindergarten through eighth grade. Okay, yeah. That's the way we... we. And where was this? What state? This was in Florida. Okay. Clearwater, Florida. Clearwater, yeah, sure. It's okay. called Guardian Angels. It's still a wonderful school. Oh, my goodness. And, um, but, you know, we had a faculty that was ready to try something new. Oh. And we had parents that were stellar. Mm. These were wonderful men and women. And so we all got in it together. It was a group project. And we said the best thing we can teach these kids is the love of reading. And so we, um, you, it, it was not unusual to see kids lined up to get their, get their cars, get in the cars in the afternoon, sitting down, reading a book. I love that. I know it was wonderful. And then of course we made the move here and okay, to Delaware, uh, to Delaware. Okay. And so then 
I decided, well, I, I didn't want to be a principal anymore. I'll go back to being a teacher. But then I got this job as a principal in this little school on 3rd and Van Buren Street in in the um, inner city part of Wilmington. And so it, it just went on from there. But it was that was a whole teaching experience for me. I learned a different I learned different coping. I learned how to help kids learn how to dream in a dreamless society. Wow, that's powerful. It is very powerful, and it was very hard to do. Anyway, so I still am in contact with those kids, and now they're parents and everything. So another fabulous time. Then I became the assistant superintendent for the diocese, but that was way too much office work and not enough time with the kids or the parents. So I ditched that and became the principal for Padua, which turned out to be absolutely the love of my life. And that brings me, am I still okay on time? Yeah, you're great. Okay. So that brings me to mindfulness because um, as I, got to know teenagers and girls um, and and through girls boys because we would have dances and everything and and you know I'd do this business and the boys would say okay we get it Mrs. Man <laughs> but um, anyway so I, I began looking at them and listening to them and seeing them Every day, as I'd walk down the halls, as I'd greet them in the morning, as I'd see them in the afternoon, um, as I'd go in classes, and it was—it um, wasn't that they weren't happy. It wasn't that the school wasn't premier. That they were learning. That they were getting into prestigious universities. That they were making millions and millions and millions of dollars in in scholarships every year, but there was a tenseness that was, um, you could feel it, you could touch it, you could, you know, and, and these girls, I, I honed it down to social media. And I said, this social media is for the birds because they never escape it. They never get off their phones they you know they just they're constantly if they're not on it they're thinking about it there was no escape and that social media whatever platform they were on um caused caused a lot of emotional problems mm-hmm. parents would never even know um mm-hmm. teachers would never even know but some of the stories that kids told me were um, were so heartbreaking because the self-image of a teenage girl, and, and it's not just in high school, it's in elementary school. It's yes. in sixth grade. It's mm-hmm. in fifth grade. It reaches down to third and fourth grade now. Yeah. And I see little kids with their phones in second grade. And... Um, and parents do the very best they can. They really do. Um, I truly believe that. But good, 
kids are really good at covering up. And um, so that's when I started talking to a guy named Fred Stinchcomb, who was a teacher at my school. And he said, hey, I got an idea. They always came in with, hey, I got an idea. And I'd go, let's hear it. Sounds good. Um, Because like children, teachers need to know you're behind them and you're going to try new things. He said, I, I, I do a program called mindfulness. I said, tell me what it's like. He told me, I said, oh, that's like guided imagery. I did that 30 years ago. And he said, well, sort of, but not really. And I said, because I didn't like guided imagery too much. And um, and we were in the Catholic school. So I had to bring faith of not the Catholic faith, but any faith into this. And um, he said, it's just breathing. I said, well, that's cinchy. And I said, take me through a session. And he did. Breathing. Just stopping to breathe. And turning off in whatever way you can. And breathing is the signal for that. Just breathe in. And breathe out. And um, I know there's a commercial on TV now, Calm. For 15 seconds, just breathe. I thought, yeah, I could have saved you a whole lot of money, but or made a lot of money, right? (laughs) But anyway, so we did that. We did that school-wide. Kids are now doing it in college because college is more than stressful these days. How do you get away from that stress for a, you know, a minute? Yeah. It doesn't have to be. You could be just getting in your car, ready to turn it off on and just go. And you, you would be surprised how you calm down. Mm-hmm. Now, when I breathe in, I say a prayer. And when I breathe out, I say a prayer. So um, I've incorporated it that way. Well, comes to retirement, and um, I didn't want to retire. I I don't think I ever wanted to retire, but I really loved what I was doing most of the time. But there came a, a time that was quite stressful in my board and administration, and I had a different view of where to take Padua and how to take Padua than they did. And so I said, well, you know, I can't do more. And the priest said, you can't. And so I'm firing you. Well, now, I had never been, I only had stellar. Um, So I couldn't believe it. I, I, is this how I'm going to leave 40 years in education by being fired? Because I don't agree with a financial policy. And, um, but you have to stick to what you believe in and what's right. Well, don't you know those little girls stood up for me and went on strike? I didn't and hear that. Out. Oh, yeah. 
It was everywhere. Oh, my goodness. um, Somebody called me up and said, Cindy, turn on your television. Oh, you'll see all of the paddle girls standing outside and um, the teachers and parents. And so they they hired me back. How long was that? How long were you all fired when they hired? Or was it two weeks? Yeah. Wow. And they hired me back. And um, and, and wait, know, wait, wait, hold on. What's the feeling of seeing your name in the newspaper? That has got to be the most, like, I think I just want to die when that happens. Well, you know, I knew I was doing the right thing. I, I believed in what I was doing. And so it wasn't. And I had an excellent lawyer. <laughs> so, um he was really managing a lot of that stuff for me because I, I couldn't do it. But um, I, it was hard. It was hard to to go through. Very yeah. hard to go through that. Yeah. And um, but anyway, I did. I did. I did through prayer, and I did through breathing, and I did through knowing who I. I and what you stand for and what's important to you and um you know if you if you if you let that go you've lost a big part of yourself that you can never get back and that brings a lot of other feelings with it so um I was going to be poor I knew I was going to be poor but I was going to be happy anyway I went back and I went back for two years, but my health just crumbled because I had had major heart surgery and blah, 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 blah. So, um, so I did retire, but I retired on my terms. And um, so then you go, okay, you've had this career and it could be any career. It could be in a medical field. It could be, you know, anything you've had a career, you've been in a public eye, you've been moving and grooving for 40 years, and now all of a sudden, you're home. Right. Well, that just, you know, and not only was I home, but I was home in a sick kind of way, you know, it was, my heart was just, I needed to rest. I just needed to rest. And um, so I would take these walks out in White Clay Creek. And and then one day I just sat on this bench and this is the God's honest truth. I sat on a bench looking at White Clay Creek and I said, why am I not feeling relaxed? Why am I, you know, God, here I am talking to you, but I'm not really relaxed. Breathe, Cindy, breathe, breathe. And I sat there. And I, I remembered to breathe. And as I, and as I would take in a breath, I would take out, take in, take out garbage, take in the beauty of White Clay Creek, take out all the worries, all the fixed income worries, all the everything. And, um, and I have grown ever since then. I still go to White Clay Creek. I still walk. I still sit on that bench. But now I'm seeing much more of God's beauty. 
I am seeing, even today, you know, it's so beautiful out there in the fog. And I tend to want to be outside a lot more because I'll tell you one year, and you know this, I worked so many hours and so hard. I literally missed a whole season. I turned around in my car and I'm going, it's winter. I missed fall. I missed changing leaves because you leave early in the morning, you get home late at night. So now I'm enjoying all that. And it's all about breathing. So let's go back to that moment you were sitting on the bench and I can just hear maybe someone listening to this saying, yeah, my life is this, that, and the other, which isn't so great right now. And she's just saying that she just breathed and something changed and it's been, it's been great ever since. Why can't I get that for myself? What if someone's listening to you and going, it can't be that easy. Can you go back to just, just, just highlight a little closer, go in a little bit closer. What would you say to that person sitting there right now? to help them understand what that shift was for you or, or what it really took to get from there to here. It took a whole lifetime to get from there to here. It took a lot of crisis to get from there to here. It took a lot of living. However, when you make a decision and you say, I'm going to choose happiness, I am not going to choose poor pitiful me. Um, yeah, it's, it stinks to live on a fixed income. It really does. I mean, I'm a shopper. And now with COVID, are you kidding? You know, I have white clay creek. That's what I got. But I can find now beauty and I look for beauty. I don't look for anything else. I look for a connection with people because people are, um, yeah, you run into some real, um, not nice people. Yesterday, I, I will tell you that I broke all the rules and went to Marshall's. I had a mask, I had everything on, but I went to Marshall's. I couldn't stand it. And, and how did that feel? Oh, it felt great. <laughs> and I was, was there a lot of really great things out there? Was it just fun to like look around, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I, always so inspiring and beautiful. I know. I know. And I went, took my cart down and this woman was coming up and she said, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> Excuse and me for a living. <laughs> what terrible word I thought of her at that time. I said, I'm so sorry. How do you know I'm going the wrong way? She said, don't you see the circles? <laughs> I didn't see this. I thank you so much for pointing them out. I wanted to take my cart and ram it right into hers. I really did. And for a second, I did think about that because I could have done it as I took, but I didn't. I didn't. Anyway, so I, I just went back to having fun because a cho it's a choice and you can choose happiness or not happiness. Yeah. You can choose faith or not faith. You can choose breathing or not breathing. You can choose friends or not, you know, isolation or even like we're doing now, we're together, um, but we're, I've never met you and in person, but I feel like I know you. I know. Like I told you, I read your blog and invited you on this podcast. And I said, <laughs> and if, if you decline, I am totally fine with that. Cause I, 
obviously don't know you and I'm just reaching out saying, hey, can I interview you? <laughs> and But from reading your blog post, I, I know I put an email. I was like, I felt like I, I made a friend. I feel like I know you just because of how open and vulnerable you were in that post. And it was just... Really and I think that's one of the things me. that you have to be. You have to be open. You can't keep things close to you and and not let them go. You have to... You have to be open and vulnerable. I like that word vulnerable. You have to learn how to to do that. You have to learn how you have to learn how to take a risk. You know, you have to say, I'm gonna take a risk. I'm gonna be friendly to that witchy person that wasn't nice to me in Marshalls, you know. But um I'm gonna take a risk and not counter her rudeness with my own rudeness kill them with kindness or we have a southern i'm from the south and we have a an expression that says well bless your heart you know bless your heart you think is sweet it's not it's like you stupid person you (laughs) you know out of my way but bless your heart and one teacher said to, to another teacher, I was in the lounge, and she said, never let her say, bless your heart. <laughs> Oops. Because <laughs> we know the real meaning behind it. But it yeah. leaves you with a blessing. Yes. I'll leave you on a positive note. <laughs> so for any of the listeners who might not have heard two of my previous episodes, so I interviewed Ryan Shelton because I had found, actually, he reached out to me because he saw mindfulness quote that someone had put in in the newspaper and mm-hmm. and I told him about you know starting you know teaching some mindfulness lessons at school and that's when I read your article that was probably last spring and so just recently I had him on for an interview which was just fabulous and incredible when it comes out I'll, I'll definitely share mm-hmm. with you well then he invited two of the seniors at Padua so we just interviewed them and their story about mindfulness which was also mm-hmm. so exciting and I just I had so much fun getting to know them and so for those of you who are listening if you go back a couple podcasts you'll see the Ryan Shelton oh, one and the two seniors from Padua one and so to have you on here is just so super special um and and for those of you listening uh, Cindy wrote an article and she titled it breathing helped me transition into retirement. And so that was why I invited her on today. And I'm looking at my questions that I wanted to ask you because you've answered so many of them. So just give me a minute um, because I just loved if any of our listeners don't read your article, which I'll put in the link to the in the description below, but um, let me see what you I, well, I, I love would say that um, breathing helps you let go. So mm-hmm. it helps you let go of one life and enter into another life. And that's really what retirement is. Yes. It's letting go of, of your, your professional life and into another life that could be professional. It could be anything you want to make it. And if you're holding on to that, you're saying you might not be released to actually embrace what's new. It's almost like you can't have a foot in the past and, and have something open up in the future. Like you're like really saying like, that's so important. Can you say that one more time for us? You cannot, you cannot do, you can't have two lives going this way. You've got to 
let go of that old life. And and that's very hard to hard, do. Yeah, as hard as that sounds. Because easy to say. The steam is tied up in that. You have to find a new way. And I would say, you know, give yourself time. Get some friends that see eye to eye with you on this. Um, but breathe. But breathe mm. and be be quiet. Let your brain stop and be quiet. In a, um, there's a passage, be quiet, know I am God. No matter what your religion is or not, um, be quiet. That's it. And I love how you, uh, I'm going to quote from your article. You said that sitting on the bench in that park, you decided to take off the path of feeling sorry for yourself Mm -hmm. and walk towards the new adventure of the fresh life within you. Mm -hmm. And I so appreciate you just sharing that with us. Um, That is just a thought, like Louise Hay says, and I've learned that over the years. It's just a thought, and a thought can be changed. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to change that thought, like right now. And how Mel Mel Robbins calls it the five-second rule, like five, four, three, two, one, switch. Five, four, three, two, one, I'm getting out of bed. Five, four, four, three, two, one, I'm letting that thought go. All right, I'm I'm thinking a different thought. That's not serving me. It's not... That's right. What's best for me right now. And it really is just a thought and a thought can be changed. And that sounds so simple and, and so like kindergarten level. But when I read that, I was like, wait, that's so true. That's so powerful. If I was, if it wasn't COVID now, which is the double punch for the people that are retiring, but if it wasn't COVID and I didn't have all the heart conditions I have, I would be probably in Walgreens working. I mean, to be with people, to be, there are so many things you can do um, to feed the energies that you had at work, but translate into a new job. Yes. And uh, so what do you do when, say, you hear those fearful, depressing thoughts want to creep back in? Or what what do you have to say to people who might be like, wow, I was on such a high, I changed my thoughts, I was on a great path, and and oh man, because we all get them, we're human, they're sitting right there, we just choose not choose not to engage in that thought. Mm-hmm. What's your advice on when they do start creeping back? Yeah, and they do, they do, we're all human, and um, I have my off days, and I, what I do is go outside. I mean, for me, that is, that I'm close to God when I'm outside, when I've got walls around me, not so much, not church, not anywhere, but church is my outside. And, um, and I've got a little grandson and we, we go walking in the rain. You know, we, we do crazy things, but I can do that now because I'm older. (laughs) Yes. And people just say, look at that little old lady with her grandson. Yeah, And I go, I don't care. You know, <laughs> I'm having fun. I'm having fun. I love life. So life loves me. Have fun and kick those doldrums. Um, yeah. I, I think it's just, you know, you don't have time for that. No, that's we a great way to put time. it. And, and I know. Life's my too time short. Limited. Um. But to live every day to the fullest. Yeah. 
So before we end with, I love the quote uh, from G- Joan Chittister that you put on your, your blog yeah. post. So I'm going to end with that. And right before I end with that, if there's a mom listening who has a child with special needs and is there, they can be such a handful and it can be yeah. frustrating. They can feel helpless, hopeless at times yeah. from all your years of experience. What word of encouragement could you leave that listener with today? Well, I would say reach out to to others, reach out to your support group to um, I have a, a granddaughter who's autistic. And um, so it takes a family. It takes a family. And my husband and I, when we first found out Catherine was autistic, we read every book on autism. We did everything. We wanted to put her because we were losing her. She was losing speech. She was, she would, she would, you'd try to touch her and she'd wipe the touch and she'd just cry for hours and hours. So you ended up not touching her and that was not a good thing to do. But um, I would say find your support group, find a friend, find um, a college student that could give you some respite time, know what your rights are so far as um, um, having respite, having um getting some time away because you have to have some rest. You have to get time away um, from this little child and because you lose your perspective after a while. But um, that's what I would say. It's very hard. It is get close to your teachers, you know, and they can help you get to different places, but you need to be an advocate for your child through the educational system. And if you feel you cannot be an advocate, there are people that will volunteer to help that process for you to ask the questions that maybe you don't know. I mean, you know, I was an advocate for my daughter, for my granddaughter, for her life. Um, but her mother has become very strong in, in knowing what Catherine's rights are because they're vulnerable. They don't know. They can't help themselves. And sometimes when you're tired and worn out, you might not even have the strength or the energy to be able to ask the right questions. That on a normal day, you probably would know. And that's what that support of another objective person brings, I think, in a very powerful way to the table. And sometimes things are misconstrued and they're said one way and the team sitting there just feels a certain way. And it what we lose it in translation. And sometimes that objective person can just share it with that non-bias, you know, subjective point that is really, let's talk about what's in the best interest of the kids, all emotions aside, how can we best help support and feel supported as the educators and help the parent feel supported? You know, once I found out that Catherine and she was about two when we had her diagnosed noses, but, um, I started going through every IEP meeting I ever had for emotionally handicapped kids. And I was thinking, was, did I feel enough for this parent? Was I kind enough to this parent? Or did I just say, here's the IEP, here's what we're going to be working on. And uh, okay, your time is up, you know, but, but so there are people like this, in the education, they're kind, they're good, they want the best for your daughter or son, find them. 
And for, thank you for sharing that. That's, that was beautiful. Uh, for any educator who might be listening to this podcast episode and they have their hands full with the challenges yeah, and yeah. even regular ed kids can, you know, um, get your kids. Fun. We all yeah. get to the point of being frustrated or, you know, sure. as much as we show up and, and give a hundred percent and we got in this because we love the kids. Yeah. What's one word of encouragement you can leave with the educators listening that, Hey, when you're in the thick of all this, just remember this. Just remember that you're not superhuman, but we think you are. <laughs> you know, you do. You can do the best you can do, but at some point, you're going through a pandemic. You know, and you're teaching on two platforms, virtual. And I, I um, observe my grandson. Um, he's in first grade now. That teacher is standing on her head all the time because she's got the kids at the seat she's got the kids in front of her and she's trying to monitor both and keep Amazing. them on track Absolutely. it's impossible I, it's, I tell them they do a miracle every day every day do. what you're doing is a miracle there's nothing natural about this there's nothing normal about this my hat goes off to them they're my number one heroes right now anything i can do to support them i'm like uh my hands you know i just my hat goes off to right. you and You've and I just, I pray for them every day because yes they are in harm's way every oh, day with this is. coronavirus unbelievable um, yeah so I I just think that if they know how parents need to understand what miracle workers they are with their kids and I think they do after the time at home that they've had to try to teach I mean. How do you do that? And one of the best quotes from my grandson's teacher, he was, this was all virtual at the time and he was working and she was, and she would take groups, pods, you know, and say, okay, um, I want blah, 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 blah to come and I will view your work while others are blah, 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 you know. And so she said, and Marie is that your sister standing next to you? And Marie said, yes. And she said, sister, you need to go in another room now. You cannot do Marie's work for her, okay? I'm watching you leave the room now. <laughs> I thought, to say that. oh my gosh. Yeah, you're not just teaching your kid, you're teaching the kid's sibling to do a move where they yeah. need to be as well. So oh I think my are, everybody in the education field now is just superior. Yeah, superior. absolutely. They are creating the path that has never been created. Yeah. And I love how someone said recently that I interviewed a pandemic means you create the way as you live it. And that's exactly, exactly what we're doing as much as that's we exactly. hate it. We're like, but somebody tell me what, how to do this. And, yeah. and, and we're frustrated that the manual is in my hands and I'm writing it as we wake up every day. Oh yeah. Yeah. All. all right. So um, I, I'm going to, I put, I want to end with this quote. If anybody doesn't read the article that you wrote, because it, I just think it's really beautiful. So in her book, the gift of years, Joan Chittister says, it is fear of getting older that plagues us instead of seeing a long life as a gateway to the flowering of the spirit, the growing of the soul, we are far more likely in a culture geared toward movement and dexterity 
physical beauty and public achievement to see it as the coming of a wasteland. And so I'll just end with reminding us that our lives, which you have shown us in this brief time of a picture today, thank you, Cindy, is a gateway to the flowering of the spirit. So we are all in the process of growing, growing, growing our soul. And that is just so beautiful. And I just enjoyed every word you shared with us today. <laughs> and it just warms my heart. And I hope it warms the heart of every listener listening along. And I can't wait to have you back on because I'm sure there's something else fun that we'll come up with to talk talk about um, in, in the future. But uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time today. I appreciate thank you. it. Thank you so much. I enjoyed every second. Next time I'll be brave. I'll practice being free. <laughs> hey there, it's Karin. After I interviewed the two seniors from Padua on the last episode, I was inspired to create mindfulness videos for teens that they can follow along with and start their mindfulness journey. Just like their teacher, Ryan Shelton, taught us, mindfulness begins with one minute. That's how the videos are designed. They start with one mindful moment. Then I share a brief lesson on how to start being more aware of your body, surroundings, and others with compassion and kindness. Each video adds on another mindful moment. I even created mindfulness videos for kids too, ages 5 to 12. Check out the link in the description notes today to explore the videos or share them with someone you know. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Mom Powerment Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait to help you live a happier, healthier life with your kids. Click subscribe today, and we can't wait to have you join us on our next episode. Thanks again, and remember, don't worry, be happy. Hey there, it's Karin. I hope that you're enjoying the show. And by the way, if you're a mom who wants to learn how to help your child when they're struggling behaviorally or facing challenges in school, get started today by getting my free short video course on first steps to mom empowerment. Go to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in learning how to have a happy life and healthy life with your kids. So head on over to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video and grab your free gift today.